If you are struggling with your financial health or your mental health, do you know about the RMBF or the Royal Medical Benevolent Fund and how they can help medical students and doctors? If not, today's episode is for you as we are joined by the Royal Medical Benevolent Fund to tell you about the really important work that they do, not just with your financial health, but also your mental health and also tell you how you can get involved. So really important episode today. Let's get straight into it. But before we do, if you're enjoying this podcast, it really helps us if you leave us a rating and if possible, a review. And obviously, don't forget to hit the subscribe button because new episodes come out every Tuesday and most Thursdays, unless we're on call or some other catastrophe happens. The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists, and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So on today's podcast, it's my pleasure to introduce Joe Meredith from the Royal Medical Benevolent Fund. Hi, Joe. Hi, Tommy. Thanks very much for having me on. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for being so understanding. It's taken a while to line this one up. First of all, you were busy. Then we got a date. Then I injured my hand and had to cancel. But finally, we've got it together because I think it's a really important topic today that maybe not many doctors know about, which is the Royal Medical Benevolent Fund. So why don't you start by telling us a bit about what the Royal Medical Benevolent Fund does and what kind of help can they provide to doctors? Yeah, of course. So we're sort of the UK charity for doctors and medical students and their families. And the RMBF's core work is basically providing financial help for doctors who are facing ill health, and that can be physical or mental health, injury, bereavement, disability, age-related problems. And more recently, we've been able to help people who've been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's not just the illness itself, but also, you know, the knock-on effects like childcare issues and, you know, career impact and stuff. That's kind of the core work, providing those financial grants. But we were also aware that there's a lot of need out there that's that's not necessarily addressed by that. So we, in 2016, we launched something called Doc Health, which is jointly with the BMA, and that provides confidential psychotherapeutic support for all UK doctors. That's based on ability to pay, there's financial support available, and it's also self-referral, which is sort of quite important. There's no reports to supervisors, GPs, trusts, etc. And that's helped almost 2,000 doctors so far, I think. And also we want to try and address the the well-being of doctors, really. So we've got a kind of a suite of online well-being and advice. We've got tips on burnout, sort of coping with the death of a patient, anxiety, addiction issues, that sort of thing. So really it's, you know, we're trying to, we provide that help in a crisis in real hardship, but we also want to provide that sort of early intervention, you know, sort of keep doctors feeling well and healthy, really. Yeah, awesome, man. You're also doing a bit on financial well-being, which we were happy to help you with as well, which Mm -hmm. is brilliant. I mean, probably hard to answer, but what is the kind of typical doctor? Or You help medical students as well, right? Yeah, so we help medical students as a more recent part of our work. The charity itself is over 180 years old, but we, you know, obviously... in in the need of moving with the times around 15 years ago, we started helping med students. So we can help, we can give financial help to medical students in the last 
two years of their degree facing similar problems, you know, a change in circumstance because of illness, injury, bereavement, that sort of thing. We also have an online money advisor for medical students as well. And, you know, again, a lot of that online information around well-being is relevant to both the doctor and a medical student audience. Yeah. Okay, cool. And what type of doctors or medical students are coming to you for help? And What's the sort of common problems that they are having? It's a bit of a sweep, really. In terms of the overall trend, it is, in terms of doctors, it's really younger doctors. It's doctors earlier in their career. The vast majority coming to us are under the age of 40. And those are people, really, who haven't built up that financial safety net yet, so that when things do go wrong, you know, things can really be tricky. And in terms of the biggest reason for presenting to us, it's mental health. And, you know, these are both things that have probably changed over the last couple of decades, more younger dots coming to us and more coming to us for mental health support. But in terms of to almost try and give a bit of an illustrative example, it's often quite complex situations that these dots are facing with, you know, sort of multiple axes of difficulty almost. So you might be somebody who's really having difficulties at work, but they're also taking care of an unwell relative, for example, or you might get somebody who's had an unexpected accident and that's compounded an existing health problem. So quite often it's that feeling of almost a bit of a downward spiral, which, you know, being able to step in and provide that financial support and a bit of stability really is, you know, quite important to stop things getting any worse. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, have you kind of noticed a change over the last few years for what people are coming to you or is it is it always been as you just described? Yeah, I think over the last few years, it's been fairly similar. The sea change has been more over maybe the couple of decades or so recently. One interesting thing that, that you know, it's sad to note, but we have noticed is we're hearing more cases where it's involved domestic abuse. I think that's probably a slightly a legacy of the COVID pandemic and people being in lockdown, but it's now sort of starting to tick up as to where that's maybe a bit more noticeable in our stats. Yeah, definitely really important to highlight that. And it Sometimes feels like doctors feel like they shouldn't kind of get caught up in these kind of things, but they definitely do debt, domestic abuse. It affects everyone, even doctors. So it's great that you're out there helping us. I mean, doctors' finances are in the news a lot at the moment Mm. with the ongoing strikes and, you know, pay cuts and things like that. And lots of doctors that I see are struggling. What? financial support specifically can you sort of offer and how does that work the financial side of things so essentially we understand that every case is different basically and if somebody gets in touch and we feel they're eligible for financial support what will happen is that will go in front of our grants and awards committee they'll be looking at you know what that individual situation is what's their shortfall Are they struggling to pay their mortgage? Are they saddled with high childcare costs? And really, it's about making the intervention that's going to make the most sense. So it's a tailored package of support. But very often, like, you know, sort of talk about what might be typical, that could be help with mortgage or renting costs, just to keep a roof over someone's head. Also, because, you know, we know that it's a calling for doctors. And the first thing that a lot of doctors want to do when they face difficulty is to get back on their feet and get back to practice if they've not been able to. So we're also able to help with a lot of things like back to work costs, retraining, 
you know, those sorts of things that can help doctors back on their feet, really. You work remotely or do you have like local offices or how does it kind of work from that? Or do you just link with other services locally? How does it all work? Yeah, so we're a fairly small team, about a dozen full-time staff based in Wimbledon. Some of us working a little bit remotely, but we're mostly sort of team-based. And we also, we do have a network of volunteers across the country, but they're more sort of involved in spreading the word. Really, the way that we do it is that yeah, people get in touch. Our casework department consider that. And then we're able to provide that help wherever you are in the UK, really. So it's, uh, yeah, so it's really a case of if anybody's seeking support, the first step is to get in touch. And then when you talk about working with other services, you know, sometimes people will get in touch. They'll be in a difficult situation. We might not be exactly the best person to help or they might fall slightly outside of our ability but of course our casework department are very good at signposting you know there may be some kind of a BMA service or a different benevolent fund who's able to help with that specific case so it's definitely about working with all the sort of other organizations who provide similar kinds of support. Yeah. Okay. So you're linking in with the other organizations. Awesome. And I say we're super happy to be one of those organizations yeah, that yeah. are working with you. I mean, it's called Medics Money, so we are focusing a bit on the money, but what could doctors do to ensure that they don't fall on hard times? Is there any kind of themes that you kind of, or any tips? I think it's, for me, I would say it's about awareness and knowing what's out there. So in terms of being financially well prepared, I think that's where people should be, you know, engaging with you folks and making sure that they know your resources. I think it's really important to have that level of financial education, which, you know, I fully agree that's something that's missing, not just in, you know, medics education, but in, you know, in a lot of education, you know, I I, myself, I studied maths and yet I still came out of uni kind of, you know, really not knowing how to fully take care of myself financially. So I think that that educational aspect is really important. And that's also why I'm really pleased to be on today. Just be aware that sort of, you know, RMBF and similar sources of support are out there. Keeps in the back of your mind when you're struggling, but also when colleagues are struggling. And have that openness towards getting help. I think, you know, we've already touched very briefly on this idea that, you know, doctors are not supposed to, you know, get ill. They're not supposed to have problems. But obviously, you know, you'd never say that to a patient. And I think it's something that's going to take a bit of work between everybody who's involved in the medical profession, but breaking down that stigma and making it more acceptable for doctors to ask for help in the first place, I think is something that we're going to have to, you know, I think there's been good progress on that. And I think it's easier to seek support. And I think people are more willing to seek support, but it's certainly, it's not a journey that's finished yet. And there is certainly some reluctance still. So we want to try and make it easier to talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Just a few things to pick up on what you said, you know, you did a maths degree, but you know, didn't learn anything about managing your money. And I think sometimes people think because you've got a maths degree, or you're a doctor, i.e. you've been educated that you somehow magically know about money. But unfortunately, that doesn't correlate well with your, you know, your financial literacy, because no one's ever taught you it before. So if you don't know all of this stuff, like, don't worry, because no one's ever taught it to you. But I think that's where obviously we come in. And yeah, I think the second thing is with my patients often who are struggling with mental health issues, the hardest step is that first step of putting your hand up and saying, I'm not okay and I need help. And then once they've made that first step, 
you know, then they plug in, come and see me, I can plug them into services, et cetera, et cetera. So if you are listening to this as a doctor and you are struggling, hopefully this is going to help you to make that first step because just making the first step and saying, you know, I am struggling, whether it be financially or with your mental health, that in my experience of treating patients is the hardest step. And I think for whatever reason, I don't know why doctors aren't the best at that first step but hopefully things like this and the world medical relevant fund or imbf as you call it because it's easier to <laughs> say uh, <laughs> yeah yeah can help that if somebody's listening to this and they want to get involved or they're wondering like where do all your funds come from to help other doctors how can people get involved and support their colleagues when they're having difficult times. Yeah, well, firstly, I've got to underline what I've already said and say, just be aware that we're here. You know, that's probably the main thing that I want to take away when I'm talking to an audience of doctors. And I think quite a lot of your doctors will will be that group, that bracket who are early in their career. So yeah, so bear in mind that we're out there. I've also sort of briefly touched on our network of volunteers across the country who are brilliant. They have that job of spreading the word and making sure that people know what we do. So if you're somebody who's maybe involved in your medical workplace around training and development or education, giving presentations to your fellow doctors, you know, if you're able to work in some details about the RMBF and how we can help, that's always massively helpful. Volunteering for the RMBF is very light touch. It's very flexible. It kind of works around the demands of a busy role. And also, we, of course, appreciate donations and fundraising. We always do. We get no government funding. So, you know, the vast majority of our income is from donations. And so and whether that's just a small one-off donation, if you're able to, or, you know, maybe something doing like a bake sale at your workplace or supporting with a monthly donation, it all really makes a difference. And it's all very much appreciated. And I think, you know, obviously links to everything you can sort of quite easily find at our website at rmbf.org. Yeah, so I put the links down below, but the best place to go to is rmbf.org, right? That's the one, yeah. Yeah, and don't forget that those donations could be incredibly tax efficient for you depending <laughs> on your circumstances. So have a read of our marginal rate tax podcast or blog because you'll see that those donations to a charity of a choice, hopefully the RMBF, could be incredibly tax efficient if you're yeah. hovering around certain tax thresholds. Joe, that was brilliant. I'm glad that we did this and sorry about cancelling uh, before. No, not at all. But thank you so much for your coming on today and the really important work that you do in looking after all of us and the medical students because I think it's really important work. Yeah, no, we just obviously do get in touch. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me on and for what you're doing to help Doc's financial literacy. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. All right. Marvellous. Thank you.